Hey, what it do, sports fans? Welcome to the Sports Live podcast brought to you by Multimedia Live. I'm Sboom Jigeliso, your host, and I will be joined by various guests on this exciting new podcast to discuss the latest ins and outs of the sporting world. I'm recording this episode from the most picturesque and the most um, incredible location. Um, I never thought in a million, trillion, gazillion years I'd actually be sitting at the new Otani Hotel, downtown Tokyo, where I've come to watch some matches of the Rugby World Cup. It's actually my last day of the trip, and it's been a week where I've seen some of the most incredible sights, and I've seen some of the most incredible rugby getting played. Unfortunately, I'm not here for the entire tournament, but uh, definitely if you had offered me one week of the Rugby World Cup a year ago, uh, I would have uh, bitten your arm off. So for me, it's been the most incredible experience. Anyone who knows me will know that I've written rugby for many years. I've written all sorts of sports for many years, and I've never really had a chance to see some of the biggest major tournaments in the world and this week gave me that opportunity to do that. We went to see the Oberx versus the Springboks at Yokohama Stadium, and I'll talk about that. And then we went to see Ireland against Scotland, also at the Yokohama Stadium, before visiting this incredible country called Japan, who are hosting this year's Rugby World Cup. I think by World Rugby standards, they've done an incredible job to take the game here. The people of Japan have embraced the world, they've embraced us, South Africans, the Irish, Scottish, some New Zealanders, they have really thrown their weight behind New Zealand. New Zealand have um, become the second team of Japan, Um, I think mainly because their coach, Jamie Joseph, is a man from New Zealand and their captain, Michael Leach is a man who was born in New Zealand. So their New Zealand connections are very strong. So at Yokohama Stadium last Saturday, they were definitely behind the All Blacks. But they definitely also gave the Springboks a lot of uh, vehement support. They were cheering us on, especially in moments when the Springboks in that game looked like they were really, really going to take the fight to New Zealand. And let's talk a little bit about that game between the All Blacks and the Springboks. Obviously, the All Blacks won 23-13. And I've, I've said on social media that I really thought the Springboks should have won that game. And there have been very, very few uh, games where the Springboks have dominated the All Blacks. I, I, I battle to think of uh, too many where the upper hand has been with the the, the Springboks for sixty percent, for sixty to seventy percent of an encounter between these two teams. I think back to the two thousand and nine Springbok team that won uh, three uh, matches against New Zealand. And also, I think they had a five-match unbeaten streak at that point against New Zealand. And obviously, they were the defending uh, World Cup champions. And they were being coached by Peter de Villiers. And they had won the British-Irish Lions Tour. They won the uh, Tri-Nations as a result. So it was, a, it was an error-defining uh, team that. But, 
you know even then the it was always a, a fight it was always there were some minutes for the Springboks and some minutes for the All Blacks but for this encounter the Springboks can definitely say that they dominated 60 to 70 minutes of that 80 minute game and really the most difficult part uh, to or the and the hardest pill to swallow about it is that it was really three minutes three four five minutes of high intensity error making from South Africa and high octane counter attack from the All Blacks, a knock-on, a breakaway led to a Scott Barrett try. And soon after that, soon, probably a few touches, the All Blacks, as they do, took the Springboks on as they were frazzled. Um, I can remember the Richie Muanga chip over Magazole Mapimpi for Sivu Reese and Sivu Reese beating Mapimpi on his outside. And it, it you just at that point you just wished to stop time you just wished to call a time out you know in rugby <laughs> unfortunately there are no timeouts you just wished that you know for a few seconds you, you can snap the springboks back into the game and back into the encounter and just let them know that trouble is on its way but unfortunately that didn't happen and um in in a try so no in no time at all scott barrett had scored a second try for the all blacks and the Springboks were down. They were wobbling. If it was a boxing bout, uh, I would compare it to a boxing match, a heavyweight boxing match. And I'd say that I, I, I doubt that the box would have survived the count after that second try. But credit credit to the Springboks. Credit to the team that Rossi Rasmus has put together. They managed to fight back. They still rested control. Even though they spent the first 20 minutes outside of the All Black 22 crashing and crashing and crashing and they just couldn't get any breakthroughs and I thought you know of course Andre Pollard had that uh, missed penalty kick um, which was uh, almost almost straight on and, and and he hit and he hit the bar and everyone was surprised the score is still 3-0 and maybe if he had got that it would have got to 6-0 but that, I don't think that was as important as the knock-ons that uh, South Africa made especially under the the, the kicks of the New Zealanders, a few by Pollard, a few by Vili Leroux. I think those things mattered more. They contributed more to the um, downfall, I guess, in that game than perhaps Pollard's uh, missed penalty because Richie Mwanga missed a fair few penalties himself. So he didn't have the best uh, kicking game as well during the game, which I think it, it is a little bit of a letdown because... The World Cups, kickers win World Cups and, you know, you want a 90 to 100% kicker at, at, a, at a World Cup. You know, I remember in 2007 when Percy Montgomery had done the kick and push, James had actually, you know, uh, he had, a, I think, an 80, 80 to 90% kicking rate. He, he was in shabby himself, of course, but Percy was the star of the show, could kick it from, from anywhere. And, of course, we had the option of a front stand from, from range. So kicking was a very important part. Goal kicking was a very, very important part of Jake White's team when that team went on to win the Rugby World Cup in France in 2007. This time around, the Elton Yanchis wasn't in... The match 23, and unfortunately, the only real, real kicker we had was Andre Pollard. 
and some in some matches he, he he does look unflappable when it comes to goal kicking but then in some and then you just don't want you wonder what happened to the the ice veins that he showed in Wellington to tie the the game between the Springboks and New Zealand at 16 all when he converted Herschel Yanchi's try you you wonder where's that composure when it was needed the most and unfortunately he, he just couldn't have it and there was no Elton on the bench and it, it was just one of those things that you know I felt that you know the the kicking definitely is one of those things that needs to be very very close and up there in the hundred percent regions you you don't have any margin for error at the Rugby World Cup and there were a lot of errors and um, aside from aside from those first twenty minutes that the, the, the Springboks dominated. They also dominated large chunks of the second half. And of course, we saw the breaks that uh, Cheslin Colby uh, had. And what a, and what a, what a brilliant guy. Um, he, he broke, got stopped by Richie Moonga in the corner. There was another Springbok break where Ville Leroux had a pass, but it went to Colby's uh, ankles. That was very, very disappointing. It was... Uh, quite easily the the most disappointing part of the match because in in any of those potential three or four try scoring opportunities that 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 unfortunately the Springboks couldn't take in the second half that would have changed the game that would have rocked New Zealand that would have changed the dynamics because when you're dominating you got to win when you're winning you got to really really put the, the the points on the scoreboard I thought Paula did well to actually take a pop um, of of a drop goal, something probably should have done in the first half already when uh, the Springboks had possession, but weren't penetrating and weren't coming back with points despite visiting and visiting and visiting the All Black 22. And but in the second half, we switched it up. Obviously, some somebody would have gotten in his ear in the changing room and said, "Look, just just go for it. We'll 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 lay it up. We'll lay the platform." I thought. Scrums were fairly okay. Um, it's a it's a disappointment that Trevor Nyakane, as unfortunately his World Cup has has come to an end, and but it gives a chance to Thomas Tutoy to come in, and um, but I thought I thought I thought scrums could have been a touch better. I thought lineouts could have been cleaner, but we we had a fair few steals. I think Franco Mostert had his best game in in a in a Springbok jersey. In in the forwards, I have to say that Franco Mustard for me was was the most standout forward alongside Peter Steph Tutoit, who was immense everywhere. He's drawn a lot of respect from everyone I've spoken to. Um, after that game, I bumped into a lot of Irish, and I'm gonna squeeze a little bit into the Ireland Scotland game. A lot of Irish were saying that you know, in Peter Steph Tutoit, Fafty Clark, and Chesin Colby the Springboks have some of the most incredible rugby players they have ever seen. And it's unfortunate that we are on a course to face Ireland now in the quarterfinals who beat uh, Scotland on Sunday in Yokohama. So they are looking likely to top their group, uh, which is uh, which means that for South Africa and, and, and Ireland, they, those two teams, they're going to meet each other in, in the quarterfinals. They might have avoided each other. It might have been an Ireland-New Zealand quarterfinal and a South Africa-Scotland quarterfinal, but not to be, or a South Africa-Japan quarterfinal. We don't know which of those teams is going to top Group A, but in Group B, it's definitely going to be New Zealand. So South Africa will pick themselves up for that game. Ireland looked absolutely clean and clinical against Scotland. 
four tries, shut Scotland out. I don't think Scotland scored a point in the second half. Um, and, and, and Ireland was just absolutely, absolutely flawless. It's going to be a hard, hard game for South Africa when eventually it comes to that point. And just some of the, the, the stuff that happened off the field, bumped into a lot of Irish guys, like I said, in the bus. And one guy, um, I think his name was Phil. Yeah, because they kept saying, hey, Phil, hey, Phil. You know, his friends kept calling him over and we're having this long conversation about... You know, he was convinced that the Springboks are going to beat Ireland. Um, I'm not sure it's that obvious, um, uh, you know, but he is allowed to his, his opinion, of course. And he was saying, uh, Springboks will beat Ireland. You guys look very good. Should have beaten the All Blacks. And that has been the common theme. And then we went out for dinner at a few restaurants. And I also bumped into some, some, some Irish people there. And it, it was fun. I ended up getting uh, swapping my Michael Jordan jersey with a Scottish guy, and it was it was a mess. It was an outright, outright, uh, outright mess. But you know, I got to visit some shrines after that here in 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 uh, Japan, in Tokyo. We got to experience some, you know, tasting of the traditional food. We had a thirteen course meal at some point. It's just been the kind of week where. You know, it's like you're in paradise. It's like you're dreaming and it's like you, you you don't really believe that this is actually it. You know, it's been such a crazy week that it's even this is even the week when Naomi Osaka made history by winning a tennis tournament that was in the town of her birth. Naomi Osaka winning the Pan, uh, Pan Pacific title, the WTA Pan Pacific's title in Osaka, where she was born. She beat... Um, uh, Anastasia Pavluchenkova, uh, six two six three, you know, and and it it was written in in the in the report that she actually cruised through the that tournament, and for her this was definitely a, a historic moment. It's just it's it's just been crazy that you know even in the tennis field some amazing things are happening in Japan uh, on the tennis court. I beg your pardon. So it's just an amazing, amazing week. The Rugby World Cup is going to be incredible for those who will experience it further than today, um, which is in Japan, has been the 25th of September for a while. And anyone who wishes to um, send me a birthday message when they hear this podcast, please do. I'm at smoo underscore on Twitter. It is my birthday. So you can you can send me a nice little birthday tweet there. I'll try to respond to you. And I would really, really appreciate it. But let's get to the episode. And of course, I have to first adjudicate the upset of the week. And that has to go to English Premier uh, League side. West Ham beating Man United 2-0 at the London Stadium. Didn't get to see that game, but I'll, I'll catch up with the highlights and, and know what exactly happened there. I know Chelsea, my team, they lost to Liverpool 2-1. Which is fine. We we're just not the greatest team this season. Uh, playmaker of the week, I have to give that to Cheslin Kobe without a doubt, and he has had the he he was the mood uplifter in in the twenty three thirteen defeat to the All Blacks. He's a guy that's given South Africa hope that they can win this World Cup despite them then having to do so after losing a game and no one's ever won the world cup after losing the a game in the in the rugby world cup uh, maybe the group stages obviously before the knockouts so south africa has, has to create history they have to do things a hard way but you know cheslin colby is that guy that's given everybody confidence that 
uh, the Springboks have every bit of a chance as the All Blacks, as England, as Ireland, as Wales uh, to to win this this Rugby World Cup. So, yeah, let's get into the long and special conversation. Tune in to Cargumentative every Monday morning on Times Live Motoring. You can join myself, Thomas Faulkner, and my regular gang of automotive misfits as we discuss motoring news, views, and of course, have a cargument or two. That's Cargumentative, only on Times Live Motoring. To advertise on the Sports Live podcast, email us at smiths at tsoblackstar.co.za. Now, I can't wait till I say this is the Sports Live podcast brought to you by... This is your name, your entity, your brand right after the Sports Life podcast. That's Smith S at tsoblackstar.co.za. Smith S S M I T H S at T I S O B L A C K S T A R.co.za. I'm Spoon Chikeli, so I'm hanging here with uh, quite probably the best rugby minds you will find. At Craven Week, Grey College in Bloemfontein, 2019 Craven Week. And what a Craven Week it's been. It's the morning after the Golden Lions played border in what I think was a thrilling match of the week, which was quickly followed up by Western Province 15, coming from behind to beat the Bulls. And it set up one hell of a finish going into the final day. But our focus is in getting to know the guys that have really come out here and made it the spectacle that it is. The guys that have also been chosen to pretty much have the future of uh, South African rugby in their hands. I'm talking about Mziwa Kengosi, the SA Schools coach, who's also the head at the Lions um, uh, Craven Week team this year. And he's closely followed by Piwe Nomlomo, who's the SA Schools Academy coach, and he led the border team this year. Gentlemen, um, let's have a proper, proper rugby chat. I'm with Mtunzi Fajimabeta as well. Of course, we know him from the Blue Bulls. Uh, Faji, good to have you as well. Now with Supersport, commentating and budding content creator. Knows his rugby, loves his rugby. He's also joined in for the conversation. Obviously, I'm Swoom Jigaliso. Little old writer uh, who used to write for Sunday Times. I've written for, uh, I've written Tano Manana's biography. I've edited Kickoff Magazine. I've written for Sunday Mirror in the UK, but that's nothing. The focus here <laughs> is is on the rugby guys. I'll start with you, Fudge. Um, being back here since 2005, this is the first time that Craven Week's been here at Grey. Can you give us a bit of a, a picture of what it was like to be here 14 years ago? Hey, mate. Uh, good to be here. Thanks, Boo. Nostalgia yeah. on another level, walking through these buildings. You know, I can almost, it's almost like I'm looking through an 18 year old's eyes. Yeah. And yeah, I am full circle, still um, contributing to rugby, no longer on the pitch, but um, behind the scenes and commentating and analyzing. What a privilege, you know. Uh, these are hallowed grounds. Many a man has been clapped on this great <laughs> college. Yeah. <laughs> You know, people will tell you, people will tell you, um, from under 14, you know, being in Grey High School, uh, it's been it's been insane, you know, and uh, beautiful to be back here, 
beautiful to still be involved with the game and just see yeah. how far it's come yeah. yeah from 2005 14 years ago can you imagine the right back here? It's been a one-year reunion for me. I started at Super Sport in the Craven Week last year in Park. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, just incredible. When you're, you start thinking exactly. About it. You've, like, snowballed, bruh. You're, I can't get rid of you. You're everywhere. You've gone from doing one little old uh, Craven Week to Vasti Cup to Curry Cup and um, back back the same way around. How's that going? It's it's been going beautifully. Um, it also helps quite a bit having played with some of the people, that, yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. now um, the conversation, the understanding. It helps with your analysis, and you know I'm I'm still quite young, so I have kind of a finger on the yeah. heartbeat of what's happening and yeah, where, yeah. where the game is moving to. Um, I'm sure the two great coaches with us will will agree with me. Yeah, and um, yeah, hey, what a privilege, man! Absolute pleasure. Yeah, um, Zeke Zeke. How have you found the week and uh, how tough is it also to look at raw young talent that you know isn't probably uh, well trained and to separate that talent from, from, its, from its peers? Yeah, I think if you look at the week, um, actually there's been some interesting interesting games. I think if, if I look at uh, Craven Week's gone by, I think this is probably... Um, the least predictable Craven Week, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm. Um, obviously, Western Province have thrown uh, a spin in the works with the 80-man B team, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> and that's going to make matches difficult. Um, but they, those, those are quality players nonetheless. If I look at um, how, how one has to weed out the talent yeah. um, versus uh, identifying who can actually make a career versus who can make the step up to Junior World Championship. Um, it is a difficult task. What do you look for? What are the what are the key signs that immediately tell you there's a player here? Obviously the guy's got to have he's gotta have his fundamentals right, he's gotta have X Factor, he's gotta have a circus act. Yeah. He, there has to be a point of difference. The people the smart people speak about a point of difference. Yeah. So he must have a point of difference to over and above to what he brings, what a normal player would bring in his position. If I look at the, if I look at what else we're looking for, you're looking for, can you make it? Does he have the temperament? Does he have, right, right. you know, it's premature, but can we, you know, with some sort of assurance say he might be one who can make it uh, in two years' time at the Junior World Championship? Because at the end of the day, I think the Kravenik is geared to uh, prepare guys for the Premier, from the Premier Youth to- Tournament in the world, which is the Junior World Championships. Yeah, can we can we cast the die on this tournament? Is it still the tournament where you say that you make it here, you make it anywhere in South African rugby? I think if you, I think it's still the premier schoolboy tournament. Yeah. Um, partly because of you know it, it, in years gone by it was a festival, but I think the temperatures have gone up a notch. You know, each and every year. I mean, you yeah. only had to be here yesterday to to mm. notice that. Yeah. So yeah. if you can have a guy, you can. Who can perform in this environment? Um, you know, ultimately, some people view it as a semi-final, semi, a quarter-final, semi-final, final. Mm. If you're really serious about it, and if a guy can perform here um, in a team that hasn't spent a lot of time together uh, under pressure, right, right, that, that's something that speaks to what's going to happen at junior world championship at SA schools level. Where the the, the scenario is level, the same. Yeah, the yeah, the same. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Rassi was saying before his before his first. 
test match, he'd spent 208 minutes all together with the team. That's not a lot of minutes. Right? Yes, it is. <laughs> 208 minutes. And you're going to play 18 minutes. So trying to pack in all the rugby knowledge into that 80 minutes is a bit tough, isn't it? So I think, you know, there's, there's been a whole lot of criticism regarding uh, the Craven Week. And I think it's, it's from people who, who don't want to see change. I think it's from people who, who are hanging on to the yeah. good old days. You know, if you ask me, this is my first Craven Week. And I think this is, like I said, it's the least predictable Craven Week. Um, you know, if I look at years gone by, <clears throat> other free state would come and pummel everyone or Western yeah. Province would come in and pummel everyone. Um, with other unions, if I look at SVADA, if you look at Poland, it looks like playing, man. So, you know, you've got a piece done with border. Yeah. Um, border, no pushover anymore. Precisely. Yeah. You know, so I think I think if if, if people are hanging on to the good old days and and uh, pushing the narrative that because Saru, I mean, rightly so, are, are working hard to to ensure that our games transform, mm. that's weakening the craving. I think people are misleading us. Yeah, um, let's get into Coach P now. Pure, uh, the border turnaround, it belies really the chaos that is border rugby. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I don't say that lightly. <laughs> I really don't say that lightly. To come here with youngsters that almost exist in, in another planet compare, comparing to the mother union um, and, and to put out not just a competitive team, a team where they, they, they've been shown respect by, by, the, by their opposite, opposition. I mean, you started against the Bulls, brilliant first half, and then um, kind of tailed off in, in the second half. But you saw how when the Bulls secured the victory, how much they, they felt that we're, we're in for a game and they knew that going into the game. Same, same instance with the Lions. And um, that is probably the biggest feather in your cap that you can get. How, how has it been, the journey here? And, um, and, and, and how, how, how is it that um, you guys are able to just come here and just let the kids play? Spuda, first and foremost, thanks, man. Thanks for having me here. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a loaded question you ask. Um, let's start with the journey. <laughs> it's been a tough one. Yeah. It's, it's been incredibly tough, especially this year. Challenging is probably the, the right word. Um, back home, we've had our own challenges with the administrators. Uh, we've right. got a new yeah. administrator now uh, in charge of border rugby. Yeah. Um, just as a whole, that has had its own challenges in terms of how we get here, the administration and kit and so yeah. forth. Um, I'm not going to divulge too much into yeah, that too deep into yeah. It. yeah and then we come to the boys um we we probably in a very fortunate place where no one expects anything from the border side mm. uh, right okay so we come here and you like you said guys can express themselves um they've got a plan but within that plan Zakes touched on the circus act earlier on you've got to be willing to express yourself yeah. you've got to no one is in a show. Every single guy knows that they belong here. Yeah. Um, and it's easy. So to play the balls is very easy. To play the lines is very easy because that's how you make a name for yourself. I think Fudge right. touched on it um, earlier on. It's it's that one opportunity. And if you don't take it, then you've got no one else to blame. Right. 
whereas the guys that do take it might be fortunate enough to land up uh, with uh, Zakes in the SA school side and yeah. maybe in the SAA side, you know? Yeah. So everyone here has got a dream, especially where you've got young black guys that mm. come from nothing. Yeah. So this is the one place where you can literally take your home and then get them to something else that they've never dreamed of. Right, yeah. So we've got breadwinners here, my mate. As an eighteen-year-old, you understand. Yeah. So they've got eighteen-year-old potential breadwinners. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. So what's at stake for some kids? Isn't always uh, the same. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Some <laughs> we play for our livelihood. Yeah, that's the reality of it. We're not playing for a contract. You're playing for a scholarship so you can go and study. Yeah. You're playing for someone to see you so they can recognize your talent and hopefully that gives you. Um, a sort of kick so you can kick on into something better where you're at. Yeah. We've got guys that don't know what they're going to be doing after school. There's no money at home. Yeah. So this is the one opportunity. Zach, you asked earlier on if Craven Wick is still the pinnacle. Of course it's still the pinnacle. Yeah. You ask every single black child here yeah, who's coming from nothing if this is the pinnacle or not. Yeah, and they'll tell you this is this is it for them. With ease. Yeah, I mean, you've got UJ... Uh, Northwest Perker, I think they've got like uh, stands here, and you'll have all sorts of scouts. I mean, I think Montpellier scouts are here because of the of the relationship they've got with Gray. The <laughs> stakes are, are, are huge. Also, um, everything is relative. Yeah. So for for a kid from the Eastern Cape, if you if you get a, a pass to go to UJ and you can study, that that in itself could be worth more than a, 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 an SA school scholar. Um, or, or, or even a provincial contract, mm. you know, because mm. that, that education sets you up for life. Um, Faji, when you were here, uh, you, you, your, your rise to in rugby was um, not quite linear because uh, you were picked, plucked by Anthony pretty much from the assembly hall. And he was like, <laughs> come to the first team. You're a tall man. <laughs> come tall out man. and come try it out. Yeah. And he ended up playing for the Bulls, deputizing for yeah, Victor Matthew. Three months. It seems almost unfair. <laughs> um, you know, it's just like Coach Pio says. Yeah. It is the big, it's just like that, out of the blue, because the pools are so big. Yeah. Finally, finally, you've got... Some those roots are going deep enough to yeah. actually get into the really, the, the really deep places in South Africa where it's making a difference yeah. to properly previously disadvantaged yeah, communities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and what a story that is! At the age of eighteen, you know, just having a skill as a teenager, you're able to just yeah, get yeah. that. And even if you don't make it, it's a huge moment. Communities yeah. are watching these games. It's it's, it's big. Yeah, know? yeah. Um, these these games are televised live and not just for one day yeah. for a couple of days so what an opportunity and look back in my in my day 2005 yes there were big names or Franz Stein and you know the Everson yeah. twins yeah. Kuni Oerstein was still 16 at the time there were a couple of big names um, but look at what's happening today like now yeah Siska Moscow um, Dmitry Afrigenogov you know, yeah. from that side, being one of the chief scouts that side, Mr. Troitsky, you know, yeah. there's NFL scouts coming out here just to see what athleticism and how right. they can advance their own game. You know, we saw Daniel Adongo 
yeah, go yeah, yeah. To, the, to, to the states from the Blue Bulls that played with yeah, him there, you know, yeah. just because of his physique. It was considered, at a stage, he was actually beating PSPs, you know, in the test, in the test, in, in, in the test. Power test, so power, box yeah. jumps, um, distant jumps. And so it's just incredible that these people are coming out here to check this out. South Africa has a wide range of different cultures, yeah. different kinds of genes, you know, and it comes off, you know, is amazing athletes yeah. out there and from all walks of life. Yeah. And it's just beautiful that they can all mix up. You see the players walking around here. You know, players from Tanzania, players from these country districts, yeah, unions yeah. we're speaking about, walking up against, you know, the huge names, names that have been part of the SA elite squad since they were 14 years old. Yeah. You know, walking next to them side by side, competing against them. What an opportunity. Yeah. You know, we see the coaches as well developing their skills, being tested and then being rewarded. You know, look at what Coach Pooh has done with Salborn this year. So yeah, it's yeah. beautiful what Border has this, become. Yeah, last Can year. you believe we're actually speaking about Border, border being in and coming into the Craven Week? It's crazy. <laughs> That's actually, a joke. I, no, I think we'll look back at this moment and think, what was going on there? You, you know, <laughs> and, and when you look at the, when you actually start to look at the stats of the Craven Week, when it started and all of that, you'll realize that East London and Border was a big part of it. It was the heart of it. It yeah, actually yeah. was the nucleus yeah. of how the Craven Week even started. Yeah, you know? yeah, so yeah. it's going back to its roots. There should be no surprises. And it's beautiful to see finally the demographics in the country and where rugby is played at young ages. They're, they're starting to settle. Know, in high they? school, yeah, yeah. they're starting they to find a bit of momentum now. You know, and it's coming through the coaches. They've done a great yeah, job. Yeah, and yeah. It's beautiful. Also the Lions, you know, becoming... A force to be reckoned with now taking on the western provinces and the blue bulls yeah it's yeah. been it's been a beautiful craven week huh? it has um just and it hasn't started now um Zix, um just your i'm gonna get into a little bit of background now um and you've been at kiss uh you're you're a kiss boy um school there uh did you did you imagine that this is where it would be uh for you as a school's coach uh, appointed this year high level meetings um is was this always part of the plan or were you just focused on doing the right things you could at cares rising from there as an educator becoming a coach and and eventually uh, mentoring a very strong cares cares side this year uh and and taking over from Muspil house um, was what, how much of this was was part of the vision, and how much of it has just been uh, a blessing? That's just just ex, uh, uh, those exponential blessings that have come just out of the blue. I think you're right. A man is exponentially blessed, to be honest. Yeah. As actually, P and I were chatting. Um, sort of the first time P and I bumped into each other was at Vilda Club. I think it would have been 2013, 2014, as. Yes, he two young assistant coaches. Yeah. Uh, mm. Kevin Taylor had picked it, had taken him as he was Kevin Taylor's assistant. I was um, Carl's assistant, Carl's Pulas's assistant. Yeah. So I, it's obviously a long road for us, but I think for me, you know, you never get, you never start coaching and say, yes, I want to be, an, I want to be the school's coach. I, right. You know, right. That's the one part because I have vivid memories like the Kremlin in East London. You see Ian Mack and those hooks. Um, the selectors and you know you see the solid top brass yeah you know yeah. In, in those days i think if my memory serves me correctly you used to apply at the craving for this school's job right 
I think you should apply like on a Wednesday, mm-hmm. and then the mm-hmm. SS school team would be announced on the Saturday. Up and, and, appo- and they appoint sure. the coaches. And they appoint well. the coaches there. So, <laughs> sure, sure. so you have to be on your best <laughs> behavior. You know, the Oaks who the fancy themselves used to go to the Craven Week with, with their CVs in, in their hand. <laughs> sure. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, then, yes, he did. <laughs> the Oaks who fancy themselves. <laughs> no, that's what would happen. It is, it is, you get awkward in management. Yeah. Where, you know, just say, listen, brother, you're going to apply for that job because, you know, come Wednesday, the Oaks would run applications and then, you know, by Saturday when the team gets announced, the coaches also get announced. So you're just as shocked as the boys do. Yeah. <laughs> to find out who your coach is, yeah. So I think sorry have done well in, in, in yeah. starting to create a pathway via EPDs. I mean, I think P and I were the, we were the first, we were the coaches of the first EPD camp, early player, elite player development camps. Yeah. Back in 20... Sure. 15 maybe I think yeah um, and, and so <clears throat> obviously sorry I've started creating a pathway in that regard but um, you know a, a man just wanted at that time you just wanted to, to just hang around and survive coaching the first side you know yeah. um, <laughs> and, you know and eight yeah. years later I was actually we we're actually calculating or sitting with Bafana and Tleko yesterday he's like yeah. you know winning and losing is, is all in us and, and I said to him Yo, you know this at the end of this season I will have spent I think something like 100 games with you know, with, with being the first team case coach. Yeah. So, 100 games. 100 games. And take nothing Crazy. away from what you did to the school. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's take nothing away from your performance, what you did at cell phone, at cell phone. Yeah. Yeah. What you did right at Cairns. Yeah. Come on now. We so, know the stats. EPD and all of that. But you're right. You, you've done the work. You've worked with some really great coaches. And you're right. it's, it's beautiful to see SA Rugby being able to reward those kinds of people and actually taking in that data, you know, keeping an eye on Prior the people who are actually the, making the hustle and bustle that exactly. over a week. I think exactly. that, that needs to be noted. Yeah, yeah. I think exactly. I think also the, the, the we're fortunate, at least I've been fortunate, I've worked with or I work with guys who look after us. I speak about Ojoe Mongalo. Yeah, yeah. That guy's yeah. got time for us, man. Yeah. I can't imagine what it was like for them. Yeah. You know, breaking into the scene. Yeah, yeah. You know, so yes, yeah, we're really fortunate and yeah, so you, you sort of go like that. I mean, I remember my first cra- my first craving we, we we took the Lions to the final. Um, we played against the Western Province star started team. Yeah. Yes, if the, the Togox, I think the Ox on the bench were playing these schools, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They had Damien Willemsa, yeah. Um They had Gianni Lombard. They had all sorts of Ox, mm, man. Mm. Yes, if you if you think about all those Ox now. You know, Salman Murad, oh, you know, we'd, yes. we'd plucked Taron Green from fullback, turned him into a fluff. Just you know. to make something happen. Yeah, we, we needed a lot of X Factor. <laughs> yeah, know. yeah. And five Kremlings later, here we are. So it's been, you know, we went to a final, lost yeah. a final, won a final. So I, th- I think this this week is also a pathway for coaches. Yeah. You know, yeah. we speak about what a, what a platform it is for kids, but it's a platform for coaches. Yeah, yeah. You know, think about the challenges. I, th- I think about P. So they're fortunate they've got fewer schools to pick from, but yeah. their schools are far, they're situated far away from each other. Exactly. So like, what, what yeah, is it like to have a border practice? No border practice, you're going to go to Queen, oh, Queen's Oaks, going to come to East London, and you go to Queen's. And them touch a schools, not former trans guy schools Precisely. as well. You don't know what you'll find there, bruh. So your your lizard Kobokas, that yeah. still falls under Pewers during. You know, can you, mention, can you mention the Lipopo Blue Bulls? You know, the, the coach, he's got a. You gotta get up from Tanin with an up from Mahubas Kluv with an up yeah, from yeah. Frankie Mayer. You, you yeah. what I'm trying to say? So the, it, it has its challenges. The, yeah. the Oaks up country or in the metropolitans, we've got someone are saying they're like 
150 something rugby playing schools in Joburg. So the imagine, line and they're all just here. Like Jeppy's here, so John's is here, Kez is here. You're like, if you want to go to Jeppy to watch a game, I'm sure you don't even get in your car. Like, I'm yeah. gonna take a walk down to Jeppy. Imagine trying to organize practices as well. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, big, yeah, big yeah. problem. You know, imagine yeah, trying to organize John's. Yeah, you got that situation. That, you know, everyone they joke about the lines. We 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 have a craving week before a craving week. Yeah, because we've got like something like six rounds of trials. You yeah. get through comfortably. 400 players yeah so, yeah, so yeah. it's a challenge for coaches too because you got to try and whatever circumstances that you have you got to you know when you arrive you got to be organized yeah so and it's a platform for coaches the the the, the Joburg thing just while you brought it up um there's so many festivals right and uh, i worry because those festivals are like you the the a rock certain rock star mentality can develop in yeah. young kids because now I'm in the Cass Festival. Now I'm at St. Stadium's Festival, St. John's, Kersney, Hilton. Wherever you go to play in a festival, it 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 it, it does uh, puff the chest up a bit, doesn't it? Um, and how do you manage? And you 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 managing the kids whose schools whose schools are actually having these festivals, yeah. so they're guaranteed to 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 have the spotlight on them. You've got your super sport cameras. You're going to have your fudges there. Your Brayton pulses. You, you know, you're going to have pretty much everybody there streaming. It's just become a whole lot bigger event um, for, for these kids. How do you manage to make sure that they keep an even tone through it all? I think, first and foremost, <clears throat> you know, when you're a teacher, discipline's vital, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the, the second part is... Does that help that you, you come from a teaching you know, background? I think, yeah. it, I think it helps, at least from my experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The second thing is, we've got to remember these are 18-year-olds. Yeah. yeah. These are 18-year-olds. There, there's, we were speaking yesterday about the difference between a 17-year-old playing at the Craven Week yeah. and an 18-year-old yeah. playing at the Craven Week is crazy. The 12 months is unbelievable. Mm, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You take a 16-year-old who's playing at, eight, at 9 o'clock to the first team is playing at 3 o'clock in front of 20,000 people in the derby. Now he comes here, he's got a 5-meter line out to win the game for mm. a particular team. Or whatever. Yeah. If you're 16 versus 17, yes. Mate. You could even argue it'll never be more significant those years. Those you know, years. Throughout the rest of their rugby career, in fact. Exactly. You know, yeah. Yeah. Pete, yeah, um, now the challenge is obviously different from region uh, region to region. Um, a lot, a lot's been said about uh, your the way your teams have 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 developed. Your Selborne team has developed a a, a particular style and feel a very competitive um very intense intense on defense very intense on attack uh having your 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 journey through rugby and as an educator what have you what have the kids taught you on how to uh develop as a manager and how to develop as a mentor i think let's go back to mzakes first what he's not sharing with us is uh is uh what a winner he is. I don't know. I'm trying to find a better word here for it. He, he's a fighter, this man. Yeah. He, he doesn't lose much. He, yeah. he really doesn't lose much. Yeah. So you ask from Kez and you look at last year. Uh, you took over last year. No, two, three years ago. Three years ago. Uh, yeah. And then you look at last year and you look at this year. And you look at all those stats. And then you look at his involvement in the Craven Weeks and you ask how many times he's lost a game at Craven Week. Yeah. You know, um, it's the first Thanks, time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
It's the first time he's lost a game on the first day. It's the first time he's been part of a team that's lost a game on the first day. Jeez. You understand? So, so from the time you were assistant coach to the time um, where you you, you 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 kept going up and up, yeah. So, yeah, Ziggs isn't happy. Yeah, Ziggs is happy. <laughs> so, so Ziggs is not taking the but well, and that's why he is as successful as he is because that for him doesn't sit well. Yeah, you understand, yeah. and we talk, we share a lot of things, we share a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. the one thing we don't do, and uh, I'll gladly say it, and we don't take back to back losses. You don't do that. Yeah, it, it's utter nonsense. It's sex, yeah, correct. Everyone understands it. It's who we are. We we just bleed a bit differently in club. Yeah, and that's yeah. why maybe we sit here and uh, with the way we are, uh, it's just a drive. There's an inner drive that's just not enough. No matter what we do, you just want better and want more. It's like a, it's like this feeling of, I don't know, you're chasing something yeah. and you don't know quite what it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You feel but responsible yeah. to a certain correct. degree. Yeah. Correct, yeah. You will get there one day and you're like, okay, this is where I was going. Yeah. But at the moment, it's such a nice journey. It's a beautiful journey. Yeah. Because it, you can you can go anywhere, you know. Yeah. Take yeah, a short yeah. left if you want. Take a short right. No one's paved the way for us and said, look, come here, my boot. This is the way you're going to... No. Mm. We have to find out. Sometimes it's difficult. Yeah. yeah you have yeah. to make a U-turn and start again, you know. Um, mm. So, and you talk about water schools. You talk about a lot of things. And uh, I, I think, man, sharing this, yeah, yeah. The chats we have with people that have done it before us, the struggles. The yeah. struggles are the same for a black man. Yeah. You yeah, understand? Yeah, yeah. Uh, even though we come from different places, the struggles are the same. And when we share those struggles, I think we've got this inner drive that just takes us to a different yeah. level. The special segment of this episode uh, is a not a Rugby World Cup story, but it is a story that I felt is important to tell, especially at a time when the eyes of the world are at teams like South Africa, you know, to understand what rugby means for us uh, back in South Africa, and I thought it's a story I wrote for New Frame, um, but I have the conversation. It comes from the, the the Craven Week experience that I had earlier in the year, where I was able to sit down one morning at at the Grey College Stadium before the start of the Friday games at Craven Week, and it was about seven a.m. The the sun hadn't broken. It was very very chilly morning, but I managed to sit down with. Uh, SA Schools coaches, uh, Piwa Nomlomo and Mzewake Ngosi. Mzewake Ngosi was the SA Schools coach. Piwa Nomlomo was the SA Schools Academy coach. They coached the Lions and the Border Bulldogs respectively. And they've since been brought in a whole lot closer. Obviously, we know that Mzewake Ngosi has always been in the Lions structures. He's also the first team uh, uh, CARES coach. So they've been brought uh, closer to the franchise ranks, franchise and unions ranks. And Pure Nomlomo as well has gotten an opportunity to uh, join the Sharks and become an assistant coach there. And that is an incredible, incredible achievement for him. He was obviously the Salborn head coach. He has also, has also coached at the academy at Southern Kings in the past. And he was obviously the border head coach this year for Craven Week. And he was the assistant coach last year to James Wynn Stanley in the border Craven Week. And border has been the plucky underdogs in these last two years when Piwa has been involved. And these are some of the uh, 
rising coaches in in South Africa, but it, it it was the conversation wasn't so much about the coaching, just just about the future of rugby um, and about what it what it means uh, what rugby means to these kids in South Africa. It's part one of the episode. Part two we'll play it next week. Uh, we'll infuse it with some rugby World Cup and 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 whatever else is happening when I'm back in the country. Also in that conversation was a friend of mine, Tunzi Fajmabeta, who played for the Blue Bulls. Um, we came from Pretoria Boys High School. At some point, he was the understudy to Victor Matfield at the Bulls. Played for many years. Very talented, number five lock, intelligent um, uh, uh, thoughts on rugby. And um, yeah, uh, uh, the four of us were sitting down, and um, there was Morgan Peak who works for OFM in the background, and he was taking pictures. And uh, he even said after after we had the hour long interview that. He appreciated being in the room while we chatted and spoke about the honest things that are that really, really impact rugby. So I really hope this conversation, if if anyone around the world who wants to know what it means to be South African in rugby, this is a conversation that you really, really want to listen to. It's more than rugby. It's more than rugby for us. It's a livelihood. Um, South Africans view rugby as a a really a chance to 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 make themselves seen in the world it's a chance for some some kids to get out of a rural area it's a chance for some some talented kid to get a chance in the world to change their families lives for good so listen to this conversation between myself Piwenom Lomom Ziwakengosi as well as Faj Mabeta That's it for me, Spoom Chigeliso, and you've been listening to the Sports Live podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Do also catch us on timeslive.co.za, as well as Sowetan Live, Business Live. We are also on Iono FM, the Apple Podcast Store, or wherever you get your podcasts. It could be Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, Pocket Cast, wherever. To connect with us, please use the hashtag SportsLive. Share your comments with us at TimesLive or at SowetanLive on Twitter. A big thank you goes out to the multimedia live team led by Scott Peter Smith and producer Paige Muller, as well as the Tiso Black Star Digital Sports Department, headed by Mninawa Mchana Ntoko. Our sound and audio mixer is Innocent Manike. From us at the Sports Live podcast, it's goodbye for now. <laughs>